Hey everybody, real quick before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that I added a donate button to the description of this video if you're watching this or uh, to the description in any podcast app that you might be listening to the show on. And I just wanted to say the reason that I did that was because the, you know, the podcast takes a ton of time every week to produce. And um, if you feel so led to uh, donate any amount, uh, that really goes a long way to helping me um, just trying to do the best that I can going forward to not miss a week um, and that could be an issue down the road as it relates to just uh, working more hours just because the podcast does take up so much of my time so if you feel led to do that I, I really appreciate it if not that's okay as well um, I just really uh, more than anything just really appreciate your time and everything that you, everything that you do to support the podcast listening to it sharing it with a friend um, it means a lot to me and and uh, just really appreciate that you're glorifying God and truth in the process down the road, I may set up uh, something like a Patreon or something like that. If I were to do that, then I would definitely want to uh, include some kind of incentive for doing that. I just, uh, I'm not there yet. So uh, that's why I've gone this route for now. So just wanted to let you know about that. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope that you enjoy the show. Thank you so much. From atheists and a relationship with God where you feel like you're never enough to missionaries We'll highlight some of the more subtle ways that God communicates with us, such as synchronicities and his still small voice on this week's Spirit Answers podcast. Well, it's a really special day on Spirit Answers Podcast because for the first time, I actually know the guest. Uh, I've met the guest in person before you've had him on the program today. Um, and also, it's the first time that we have two guests on the program. So we're, we're checking off a lot of firsts today on, on the podcast. So uh, really thankful to have John and Rachel with us today. We're really glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so you guys had a really, really cool uh, synchronistic encounter with God. Um, but before we get to that encounter, which I, what I also appreciate about that encounter is that it has, it is leading to fruit being born right now. We talk about fruit in Christianity as, uh, you know, positive, uh, ways of glorifying God and what we're doing. And we can show his, his truth and his love through what it, the actions that we're taking. Uh, but I would like to, before we get to that, kind of just get an understanding of your stories, uh, because it's also interesting you guys are, I think, the first people we've also had on the podcast that have been uh, uh, Christians for most of their lives. Um, so I think it'd be valuable to kind of get an understanding of what your story is. And then from there, we can kind of get an understanding as well of uh, some of the topics that we talk about. Uh, we can kind of get your vantage point, your angle of how you guys approach some of these topics as people that have been in the faith for a little bit longer than maybe some of our other guests. So um, with that being said, John, if you want to go ahead and get us started with your testimony. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so uh, both Rachel and I uh, had the opportunity to, to grow up, I guess the blessing to grow up in a Christian home uh, where from a, from a young age, we were consistently exposed to the, to the faith and to uh to Jesus and, and who he is and what he's done for us. And um, so, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I have been uh, in and a part of a church. Um, and I think I first like stopped and like prayed the prayer when I was uh, probably no older than like six or seven. Um, and it was a, uh, 
I think at that point in time, I mean, I, I knew it was something that I was supposed to do, uh, but I, it was, wasn't something that I really connected with or, or, or fully understood at the time. I mean, I, I think Jesus genuinely met me in that place, um, but it was going to be a long and, and growing process uh, through that. And so um, as I uh, grew up uh, from my, uh, from my perspective, uh, I really started to develop kind of this thinking that, you know, what Christianity was all about was about my ability to, to keep the rules, to, uh, to do good things for God, and then God will love me and accept me. Um, I, I knew like on a head level that like ultimately like it, God loves me no matter what. Um, but on a heart level, I was like, well, he'd love me more if I could, uh, if I could just do more things to help, uh, help me to, uh, just be that little bit better. Um, and that turned really towards kind of a, a legalism, especially in junior high, as you kind of start to become your own person and, and trying to fit in and figure out who you are. And, um, and so in in junior high, I would spend a lot of my time uh, going around talking to other people about Jesus um, at, at having genuine moments of, of excitement and intimacy with God. Um, but just so much of it was layered in um, being really condemning of where other people were at with their faith. Um, it, it tended to be very kind of fire and brimstone sort of, sort of stuff, which, um, was, I think kind of, I, at times detrimental to what I, I wanted to be able to do. Um, and, and all along the way I was wrestling with just a, a persistent feeling of that. I, I didn't belong. Um, I was, I was a pretty socially awkward kid growing up it was hard for me to be able to make friends. And um, so the, the core question that I always wrestled with was, uh, do I belong? And so much in my life left me feeling like the answer to that question was no, um, that, that people don't want me around. They, they don't want me to be there. And um, as a result of kind of that, that pain and that hurt that I was experiencing, I, I look to look to self-medicate um, uh, and um, around that time started dealing with with addiction and, and things like that. And so I, I on the one side of things, I have this I'm kind of creating this legalistic persona for myself, while on the other side of things, I am wrestling with um, um, with my own secret sins uh, all along the way. And um and real quick, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want, uh, maybe for the people that don't know what legalism is. So you are more just, uh, trying to keep the rules, so to speak, rather than maybe focus more on the relational aspect with God. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was all about what I could do for God about how I could be good enough. And, but ultimately like I knew I wasn't living up to that standard. Um, and so I would just walk away, just kind of tearing myself to pieces or, or allowing Satan to kind of speak into those hurts and um, then, then 
trying to just run away from that feeling as fast as I could of, of that guilt or that shame uh, that I was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And I think a lot of times what happens is that um, that pressure really, really wears on us, I think, to, to be perfect, so to speak, and, and, and to not let God down. And that, so that's one part of it. And then the next part is that when you when you feel like when you've made a mistake or you've come up short uh, to living up to what you think, how, how you think God wants you to be in, in your actions and in your thoughts, when you come up short, then all of this guilt comes on top of you. So it's 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 really like you know, you're really stuck in between a rock and a hard place because you have that pressure on one hand. And then, and then when you come up short, you, the, this guilt is just really overwhelming because, you know, it's, it's obvious, it's impossible to, to, uh, be perfect. No one, no one is perfect. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a really tough, I think, situation. I think we'll kind of come back to that as well, that a lot of Christians, um, I think, uh, really try to balance that, that, um, idea of, you know, living the way that God wants them to live, but at the same time, remembering that it's through the gift of grace that Jesus has given us that he is and through his death on the cross that um, he's given us this free gift of salvation because he knows that uh, none of us are are perfect. And uh, he he doesn't he doesn't expect us to be in, in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, that's exactly. Yeah, that that describes my experience perfectly because it was like every time that I messed up, my my heart told me that what I needed to do was that I needed to run further away from God and I needed to to bury that hurt deep because I didn't want it to be seen. Um, everything needed to be OK on the surface, um, but I was not doing OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I mean, that carried into so many different areas in my life and um, uh, about halfway through uh through high school, uh, my family decided they were moving across the state. Uh, I, I was going to have to leave my school and um, all of those things. And uh, when I, I got to my new school, I was like, okay, well, I, this time I'm going to figure out a way that I can, I can fit in perfectly. I can uh, meet all the right people and uh, everything's going to be okay that way. And then I'll finally feel like I belong somewhere. Um, <clears throat> and so I, uh, I, I came in and I started to kind of move away from God a little bit more at, at that point, like on an outward level. Um, I, uh, I, a lot of my friends at that point were a part of like theater and things like that. And a lot of them were, uh, would identify as like atheists or agnostics, or they were at the very least like strongly doubting their faith and stuff. And they started bringing up questions that I then started to wrestle with as well about like, okay, well, who is, uh, who is God? Uh, what is, um, is he really there? If he is really there, does he genuinely care for us? And why are all of these different bad things happening? And um, it it ultimately led up to the point where um, I, I had a teacher that I was really close to who uh, passed away in the middle of or towards the tail end of high school. And at that point where that happened, I was kind of like, I don't know that I really want anything to do with God anymore. Um, I, uh, I don't feel like I'm getting out of this relationship, what I, I'm looking for. Um, and so at that point I, I kind of joined in with that group of friends and, 
and uh, professed to be an atheist. Um, and I, I think it was driven a lot by that kind of place of hurt. Um, and then just also my ongoing sense of sense of guilt. Um, I had kind of at that point started to jump from a relationship, bad relationship to bad relationship to bad relationship. Um, still trying to find that sense of belonging and then uh, getting very involved with whoever it was very quickly. And then as soon as there was any sign of trouble or that, that shame started to break in, then immediately moving in the opposite direction again um, uh, and hopping out, jumping into the next relationship. And um, so I just felt really trapped and um, I, I didn't feel like I could take any of that, any of what I was feeling and, and be genuine with anybody about it. Um, um, and even when I felt like I did, I, I felt like I couldn't connect with them because just the the shame had kind of taken root so deeply, uh, and it was it was preventing me from being able to kind of take that that step outwards. Hmm. Um, so, so at at this point, um, do you recall how your your family reacted to your your change in spiritual beliefs? Yeah. Um, I guess that also kind of played a factor in it is that things were very volatile at, at that point in time. Uh, my sister was dealing, going through a lot of mental health stuff. Um, and so in the midst of that is kind of where I came forward and was like, I, I don't know that I really believe this. And my, my parents tried to connect to me with a few people to be able to help me to, uh, to walk through this and, and figure out what the answers to my questions were. Uh, they connected me with an old youth pastor who was able to um, talk about like, what are some of the doubts that you're wrestling with and stuff. Um, but ultimately it was, it was more of a heart thing, even though I kept saying that it was a head thing that it just, it didn't make sense that God existed. Um, but in, in reality it, I didn't want, God to exist because I didn't want to keep feeling this sense of guilt. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't want to feel, I felt like it would be easier if I just, there were, there were no boundaries. There were no rules. I, I can do what I want and live and let live and everything's going to be okay. Um, but I, I found as soon as I, I became an atheist that those, the, the questions that I had been wrestling with about God's existence were still just as much there, even though I had like changed the way I, I had approached my faith. Um, questions like, you know, well, then where does life come from in the universe? And how do you explain the the intricacy of all of the creation that we see around us and, and all of those things? Um, that that all seemed to to cry out that you know there there is a god there is a creator and he he has uh he he is involved in in our world um and so it was uh it i probably spent uh the better part of a year kind of wrestling through a lot of that stuff um i uh I can I, I can remember sitting down with um, uh, a mentor who uh, and just kind of pouring my my heart out to him about you know this is this is where I'm at and this is how I, I feel I feel like I have I feel like if God does exist 
that I have let him down and he does not want anything to do with me. And I don't feel like I can do anything to be able to, uh, to be good enough to make it up to him. Um, and the, the, the mentor just kind of, he drew me out kind of like a diagram of like, well, I, I can see that like you have this idea in your mind that like, your your relationship with God is always just going to be up and to the right. That to be a Christian means that you're constantly improving. There are no mistakes. Uh, every every second of every day, you are becoming more like Christ. And that's not at all what the gospel is. the The gospel is is that we still screw up every single day, but God meets us in that place every single day more and more, and we can we can be okay with that. Um, and I think that was one of the first times that like the the connection got made in between here and here. There were a few other times in my life, but um, there's a a quote that I I always like to remember that says the the, uh, the longest journey a man will ever make is the 18 inches it takes to get from his head to his heart, um, and that was very much the the story. I mean, of my life, I I always was around the knowledge of who God was. Um, but in terms of like practically experiencing what relationship was with him and what that had to offer, that was discovering that is what my testimony was. Um, and, and really after that place, I, I came back and I, I rededicated my life to Christ. And um, that's really where things started to started to feel like they just, they blossomed like all of this, uh, I had felt so trapped in, in addiction and in the cycle of broken relationships and in struggling with my, my own family stuff. And, um, all of a sudden I, I think I, I felt freedom for the first time, uh, in, in Christ in that moment and in the, in the months and years that followed. Um, it was like I, I would open up the Bible and for the first time it was I it was like I was reading it with fresh eyes. I uh, it was kind of like, well, have these words always been here? I know I've been reading this my entire life, but this seems just totally revolutionary in a, in a way that I had never experienced before. And um, the my own struggles with with addiction and things like that. Um, Suddenly, I was I was able to to find freedom from that uh, after having looked for that that freedom for years and years and years and never being able to find it. Almost spending the better part of, of ten years wrestling with it, and it was just kind of like overnight. Um, I I found that freedom. Uh, so it's just it was a lot. It I, Christ came in, and I mean he he radically transformed my heart in that place and. Uh, that's around the time where I decided to to come to Grace and um, Grace Ra- University. Grace University, yep, and uh, met Rachel, and um, the the rest is history. Or I guess the rest is what we're going to talk about later on. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your story, John. And uh, one of the things I think is really interesting is that uh, it seems like you you were able to make that switch from looking at everything from just a purely logical perspective, but, but then also from the heart perspective. And, I, and I'm wondering, do you attribute a lot of that uh, switch to the, that period of atheism that you were in, in in those really difficult years? 
That's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think so much of it was, I, I have no other explanation for it other than the Holy spirit, um, coming into my life and, and transforming my, my heart and removing some of those blocks that were, that were there. Um, just God faithfully working. And he, I think primarily he used people, um, the, the people that were around me, there were two or three just key people that just sat there and poured into me consistently, even as I, I was going through all of that. And that's, that's ultimately what got through and, um, where I, I finally felt like, okay, well, I, now I, I don't just know who God is, but I've experienced who he is. And, mm -hmm. um, I know God as a friend rather than somebody I read about in a book. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really a lot of it came through the relationships that you had. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I like that because uh, it really, um, it overlaps a lot with the other people that we have on. And uh, many people, I think, uh, really have to get to a certain point in their life when they're willing to look at other opportunities or other um other ways of life than just the life that they've been living. And I think a lot of times that God is able to then like for you show, uh, show these people that there is another way to live through the relationships that they form, I think with, with Christians. And, um, it really makes me think about like, you have, you have somebody that is like, let's say like a, a beggar on the street and, um, it isn't, it is not a Christian, doesn't believe in God. But I think when you're in that state, uh, you, you don't really have, you obviously don't, that person doesn't have a lot going for them. And so when they are approached then with the gospel message of hope and, and the truth that is found in, in the word of God, I think it's a lot easier for say that person who's in a really, really, uh, difficult state from, you know, from a physical perspective and an economic perspective to then, uh, give, give this other way of living a chance and really examine the Bible for what it is, uh, maybe with with less preconceived notions as say someone that is making over $100,000 a year, is, is working in, in a management position uh, for a company and um, thinks that they they have it all figured out. Um, and they're, they're not really looking in that, in that state, that person who's making a lot of money and maybe has many of the physical things that they want. It's very hard, I think, for that person to even comprehend that there is another way of living because they think that they already have everything. Um, so I think for that person to hear that there's another way of living, and especially in, in the message found in the gospel, it, it is really, really hard, I think, to, to then form relationships with other people like you did, John, and many other people, and, and really experience, I think, uh, the spiritual relationship that you can get with God through these other people and uh, just through studying his word uh, because you have so many things clouding your clouding your judgment. There's so many things in your life that just don't let up. You're so busy all the time. So I all that to say that I just think that God does a really, really good yeah, obviously, you know, he's God, his ways are perfect and his timing is perfect, but it, it's always incredible to see for me to see in these stories, how his, he's able to line certain things up in such a way that he can reveal himself in just the way that we need it. And a lot of times when we're going through these circumstances, these really difficult circumstances, we have no idea what he's doing, but when we get through, when we get through that, we can then see, look back and kind of connect the dots and we're like, wow, you know, is this, I needed to go through that in order to to really come into a fuller understanding of what truth is and um, you know, 
what what it is to me to live a, a fulfilling and meaningful life that you can only live as uh, having a relationship with the creator of the spiritual and of the physical. So uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I just think it's interesting how how much of an overlap there is there with with other people that we've had on, even if it's not quite the same thing. You weren't you know dabbling in like witchcraft or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to ask you as well, because I know that in your part of your testimony is that when you were younger, you, you really got hung up, I think, on some of the denominational issues that you see a lot of times in Christianity. Um, and, th and by that, I just mean that you, you really, from that legalistic thinking, it sounds like you were trying to kind of maybe say that you the way that you were practicing Christianity was maybe superior than other denominations. And I'm, and my question for you is I, what would you say to somebody that is looking on the outside from the outside, looking in at Christianity and having those same, those reservations about, well, Christians can't even get the denomination thing, right? They don't even agree on everything. So why would I waste my time with, with Christianity and, and, and this whole God thing? Uh, because obviously you don't believe that now you've, you've, uh, since your heart has been transformed, you've, you've really, uh, you've dropped that legalistic stance, but this is obviously a problem in Christianity. And I think it's a problem for the world at large that's looking at Christians. So how would you approach that topic with somebody that is, is having those reservations with Christianity because of this? Yeah. Um, easy question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, just a uh, nice softball there. Um, I uh, think that um, I, when I was wrestling with it, really what it came down to for me uh, where I was at was that um, I felt like I had found the right way of doing things um, and everybody else needed to conform uh, to, to my way. Um, and that is not at all what scripture teaches. <laughs> um, so if, as I was talking with, if I were talking to somebody about that specific, uh, question or, or issue, I think I would, I, I think there are lots of different places I would point them. Um, I think the most succinct way of putting it is, um, I always, I, my dad always says, uh, major on the major and minor on the minors. Um, that in Christianity, there, there are quite a few differences about like specific smaller side issues, but at its core, um, all of the, the major denominations for the most part are, are going to uh, align, or at least like Orthodox denominations are, are going to align on the key issues. And those are the things that we need to focus on are on, um, the, uh, the lordship of, of Christ and the fact that he is both uh, God and man and uh, how he died for our sins and how um, God is active in the world and um, how we as Christians are then supposed to uh, follow his word to go and to, to reach others. And so um, I, I, this is not a new issue that anybody is wrestling with. I mean, you just, you open up the pages of scripture and it's all over the place where people are having disagreements about, okay, well, what should we be doing about this theological issue versus this theological issue? And um, Paul writes about it in Romans 14 and in a couple of other places as well about how uh, at the end of the day, the, the, ultimate law that is supposed to rule over the Christian life is, uh, is love and unity. 
Um, so we should look for opportunities to humble ourselves, to love others well, and to um, to be to be fully convinced and to to genuinely stop and think through these things. But at the end of the day, unless it is a uh, uh, one of those big major issues, if somebody comes in and is like, "Well, I don't think Jesus is the Son of God," then we're going to need to have a conversation. But um, if we have a disagreement about the the specific meaning of communion or even baptism or things like that, those are issues that um, I think ultimately belong in between God and that person. And then my job as a Christian is to accept that person as a brother, to to love them humbly, to, to recognize that uh, I may be wrong, they may be wrong, but ultimately um, we're, we're supposed to be united towards this end goal of making Jesus known and growing together in our relationship with him. Yeah, really well said. Um, I, I I love the fact that you you brought it back to uh, you know loving other people, loving God, and it just it, again I I always have, it just makes me think about certain analogies, and I just think about like if you're in a relationship with another person, you, you the the core of that relationship is loving the other person, forgiving them, um, and just doing the best that you can to to I think serve them and be there for them, and and vice versa, but. If you are in a relationship with this person and you really, really like uh, uh, going out to movies for your for like your hobby or what you like to do in your free time and the other person likes to stay home and garden. I think that that is something that it's like, OK, that's OK. We can we can choose to we can agree to disagree on that, but that's not going to break the foundational part of this relationship, which is the love that we share for each other. And so it just really reminds me of, uh, different denominational, uh, practices. It's like, okay, yeah, we can have these differences here on the side that don't, that that's fine because they don't really interfere with that core foundation of the relationship that we have with God. And then if we can, can continue to cultivate that, we can then spread that to, to other people. And so I think it's just so interesting how it all for me, uh, co comes back to relationships, relationship with God and with other people. I also wanted to ask you, um, you know, coming back, you know, looking back at your days in atheism, you were able to, you know, kind of quote, partake in the pleasures of the world during that time uh, that you no longer engage in because of your uh, heart change and your, uh, your relationship with God that has continued to transform since you've come back to the faith. And I think it's just worth pointing out that th there is a lot more here than uh, just uh, trying to do the right things in order to get to the right, to the right side of the afterlife in order to get to heaven. It sounds like there is, there's been a, there's been a big change there uh, that a big shift that has happened uh, in, in your being that you can kind of understand the merits now of maybe giving uh, uh, a, for, for, letting some of these past behaviors go that you once deemed to be good or pleasurable. And I'm, and I'm wondering, what do you think is the primary difference between the John of today and the John of those atheist days that has allowed for this switch to happen? That is more than just trying to end up in heaven. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think even before the, the atheist days, I think primarily what Christianity was or what it meant to me was it was fire insurance. Um, it was the, it was your, your get out of hell free card. Um, and it wasn't really until after that point that I, I, I walked through that season as an atheist and, um, 
was like, okay, well, I, I've tried so hard not to, I mean, things like swearing and, um, you know, not, uh, <laughs> lying and like basic things like that. And I'm like, okay, well, we're just gonna, we're gonna throw all this to the wind and just gonna live how I want to live and, um, uh, and enjoy life. Um, but ultimately when I walked away with that, just I, I felt more empty. Um, those were some of the darkest points of my life because I, I mean, I, I struggled with, uh, thoughts of suicide with, um, uh, with depression and, and things like that, because it just, it felt so hopeless and it felt so empty, um, as I was going after those things. And, um, I continued to feel like I didn't belong. Um, and it wasn't until, I, I came back to God that second time that I recognized that Jesus isn't just for after I die. Jesus is is here, right here with me right now. And he, he answers that core question for me that I I do belong, that I I God loves me and God loves me so much that he he personally and intentionally created me to be the person that I am. And he, he's shaped me through different life circumstances and he sent his own son to, to die on my behalf. And um, so I can, I can know confidently now today that it, it doesn't matter how I feel like I'm being received by other people Um because ultimately God has, God has received me. He's accepted me fully. Um, and there was just so much freedom in that and so much freedom that I didn't realize I was missing, uh, prior to coming to this place. Mm. It's, it's almost like that, that relationship showed you that there, there was another way to live and that way produced more freedom and peace. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it always comes back to me that idea of, you know, we can pursue temporary pleasure, uh, which ends up leading down to, uh, I think a lot of times like depression, anxiety uh, down the road that, that really lasts a long time for this temporary pleasure that's fleeting. Or we can set aside that, quote, temporary pleasure just for a little bit, even though that can be really challenging to do in order to have that long term peace. And um, I think that you'll, I think most people find out that that is a much more fulfilling way to live. And I think that, um, the more that you're able to do that, I think it's like anything else. It takes, it takes time to kind of cultivate that. But I think that the more you're able to do that, I think the easier it is to, to continue to cultivate your relationship with God. And I think it becomes easier than I think also to even hear, hear from God as well and be led by him. Uh, well, thank you so much, Sean, for sharing your story. And now I want to go ahead and, and get to, to Rachel's story. Um, so Rachel, if you could kind of take us through your testimony and, uh, then we can kind of go from there in terms of how your stories bridge. Okay. Awesome. Um, so like John mentioned before, um, I also had the blessing of growing up in a home where I was regularly exposed to who Jesus was. Um, we were at church every Sunday and a lot of times another time during the week as well. Um, so there was like a high level of exposure, um, which I think was was generally very positive for me. Um, and so I probably accepted Jesus around the age of five. I honestly don't exactly remember um, as much as someone that young can understand. Um, but I remember growing up that there were so many times that I was afraid that I hadn't accepted him the right way. Um, or that I had somehow lost that. And so I would pray the prayer again and again 
and again, and was just so worried about not having done it the right way. Um, and there were a lot of things in my growing up experience um, that, that led me to believe that if you behave the right way, if you do the right things, then you'll be accepted um, by God and by other people. Um, and that the um, love and affirmation of other people is really contingent on your behavior. Um, and I was the oldest child, or am the oldest child, um, and just was very, very responsible. And so that that very much made sense with the way that I perceived the world and with my experience. Um, but it was also impossible <laughs> and really, really exhausting because I could never do enough. I could never be enough, but I really kept trying because I believed that that was the right thing to do. And that was what God wanted from me. And I knew that following God was the right thing. And so it's just like, well, this is just, I'm just going to have to resign myself to this. Um, but at the same time, yeah, struggling to feel like, like it was working or like I could, um, like I could trust that because I, I just felt like I couldn't, couldn't measure up. Um, and so I was probably, so after my senior year, the summer after my senior year, um, I was in my first relationship. It was complicated, wasn't a healthy relationship. Um, my family wasn't on board. Um, and it, things just got really tumultuous. Um, but there was a mentor in my life, um, at that point who, stepped in and um, she said, Rachel, if you show up on my doorstep, pregnant, strung out on drugs, I am still going to love you. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Like, she's like, and guess what? Like, Jesus loves you even more unconditionally than I do. And I was just like, I mind blown. I didn't know what to do with that because I had been exposed to scripture, hearing stories of Jesus my whole life and never made that connection. Um, and I think a lot of it was just that my experience um, growing up was just that when I did things well, I was really affirmed. And when I missed the mark, then it was just like, wow, you're such a disappointment. Um, and it, it felt like that love was removed. And so I think that it wasn't necessary lack of exposure to scripture that led to that understanding. It was, it was a combination of, yeah, that, that legalism that John talked about in a different sense, but then what I was personally experiencing um, and how much kids can take their relationships with the really um, significant adults in their life. And that's what they're modeling their picture of Jesus after. Um, and so, yeah, it was a combination of things. Nobody ever told me that, but that was the meaning that I made of it. And so when this mentor said that to me, it was just like this first little chink in this wall that I had built of my, my understanding of how I, how I needed to relate to God. Um, and I wish I could say that everything changed from that point, but, um, it was actually another good 10 years of little chinks being made in that armor of me just trying to do everything the right way. Um, I um, attended um, 
Christian college with John. Um, and even at that point, I'm still just trying to do everything the right way and make all the grades. Um, but there was a point where we were in a show together. Um, it was called Godspell. And um, I played um, the role in like reenacting different um, events from the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so um, I played the role of the woman who is caught in adultery and um, is ready to be stoned by the crowd. And um, the teachers of the law say to Jesus, like, look at this woman, look what she's done. Like you need to condemn her essentially. And um, Jesus says, well, any among you who has not sinned, cast the first stone. And everybody leaves because they know that they've all, they've all fallen short in different ways too. And um, so in this moment, the woman is on the floor face down and Jesus crouches down next to her and just says, where are those that condemn you? And she said, I don't know. And so he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And just laying on the floor in that moment on the stage, obviously I'm, I'm not that woman, but like putting myself in that place, it was like everybody in the room could see every terrible thing I'd ever done, every shortcoming in my life. And, um, but Jesus was there and he didn't throw the stone at me. He just, he said, I'm here. No, let's go and let's, let's live differently. Let's live in freedom. And that was a really impactful point in my story. And I, sorry, I'm crying now. Um, a very supernatural moment for me too, because I, I had also struggled to ever make the connection between my head and my heart in what it meant um, to be in a relationship with Jesus. And that was a, another really big moment in that um in that journey. And it was hard because there were people in my life who at that point told me, Rachel, you shouldn't be in this show. It's not communicating the truth of the gospel. But yet I had experienced very tangibly the, the beginnings of really significant change in my own heart. And so um, it was like this juxtaposition of the acceptance of people, which I'd been pursuing my whole life and starting to really be able to connect with Jesus. Um, so that was just another big mile marker on the road. And then um, a couple years ago, um, I experienced some pretty significant um, relational breakdown um, in my life um, that really was kind of the final blow that revealed that I had been wrapping up so much in my ability to do the right thing and please people. And it had warped my view of and my relationship with God. Um, I didn't want to spend time with him. I didn't want to talk to him because I thought that he had these same expectations of me that I perceived that people had. And when he broke all of these relationships apart and showed me like, Rachel, you have, you have so tied together people and me that you don't quite know who I am. Like, not really. Um, like it's, it's not about what you can do. It's not about how good you can be. Um, it's about me and I want to restore my relationship with you and I'm doing all the work. I'm enough. You don't have to be. Um, and like, just be with me. Like, even if you can't read your Bible the right way or for the optimal amount of time today, like, I just want you to ask me to be with you. And 
that was just, it was really hard and really painful because I, I love people. And so having relationships broken was really, really hard. But at the same time, now I can look back and see that even though I wouldn't have chosen to do it that way, that I think it was truly the only way that God could fully restore healthy relationship between him and me. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's not to say that everything's perfect since then. And I don't still struggle with trying to always do the right thing or please people or any of that, but I have a, such more of a, a healthy foundation to go back to and be like, okay, that's not what Jesus expects of me. He expects me to follow him and to love him and to trust him to guide me in the ways that I'm interacting with other people. And that might mean that sometimes other people do feel disappointed because I still sin. So I am going to disappoint them in that way. But it, it may also mean that I'm just not just doing what they want, um, but I'm doing what God's asking me to do. And at the end of the day, like that, that has to be enough. Um, but I still very much struggle, but it's like, I have a relationship to go back to now instead of just a set of rules or a moral code, um, which is more what I was living out of before. Hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So for you, um, it's kind of similar to John. There was, there was a bit of a low point, but it sounds like that low point then allowed you to have a clearer understanding of Jesus and, and who he is and the kind of relationship that he wants with you. Mm -hmm. and, and in a way it was like th those relationships that you were, that you were forming with other people where you were kind of trying to uh, you, you, that's kind of where you were getting your understanding of who Jesus was. Those had to fall to the wayside a little bit in order for you to see, have a clearer picture of him. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I also, I know uh, in your testimony, I also really appreciate that very similar to John um, you went back then after you kind of, went through this legalistic phase or maybe this understanding that you needed to be a certain way at all times and, and try to live up to this unattainable uh, peak of perfection. After you were able to transcend that uh, through God, and uh, you were able to come back and have a different understanding of what the Bible is. When And when you're reading it, there was really a different experience. And so, uh, you know, on the show, we always like to talk about some of the, the supernatural components components. And I just wonder how, how incredible was that for you to have a completely different understanding of the Bible when you came back and read it, as opposed to, uh, maybe when you were younger, uh, we always talk about, you know, those, the scales falling off, so to speak. How was that for you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, when I was younger, it was so much about, okay, you have to do this thing and you have to do it every day. And it has to be this quality, this amount of time. And so I honestly don't remember absorbing really anything out of it or feeling like I could hear from God um, that he would even want to talk to me because I wasn't good enough, but I still had to try to connect with him. And that was kind of the place that all of that came out of. So while there are memory verses that I know from back in that time and things, I don't, I don't remember feeling really connected when I, when I read my Bible. Um, whereas now, even on the days where I'm really struggling it's um, coming to the word and knowing that like, this is just this huge gift that God wants to connect with us. And this is one of the main ways we have to know who he is. And so then even like today, I, I was reading my Bible and then I was reading another book. And when I opened the other book, one of the first pages I come to is a verse that's been really significant um, for us in the last few years. And it was just like, oh, 
like that's that's God. Like he knew that I was going to pick up this book that I was given months ago today and see this verse and feel seen. And so it's not that every time I read my Bible, I have this like, whoa, I'm just like revelation, a new understanding, going to write my own commentary or anything like that. But um, <laughs> it's just feeling a lot more like, wow, this is alive and God is connecting with me through this very intentionally, which I think was something I was just completely, completely missing before. Mm. Wow. It's amazing. Um, well, and that kind of takes us now to what's going on or what has been going on over the last couple of years. So uh, if wh whomever would like to speak to that and kind of get us started on, on that journey. Yep. Uh, I can do that. Okay. Um, so yeah, so Rachel and I both ended up at Grace University, uh, which is where where we met each other and uh, started dating and um, dated for about a year. And then we, we got engaged uh, January of 2018. Um, but just a, a little ways prior to that, during that summer, uh, we had the opportunity to go together um, with our choir on a trip to Germany and the Czech Republic uh helping with like putting on a series of concerts through different churches there um uh, which was kind of an opportunity for people in those communities to invite people into the churches because look there are americans coming isn't that cool <laughs> um and so uh we it was it was my first uh cross-cultural experience i had i had never left the united states before um that rachel had previously um but uh, it was we while I was there, I I just I loved the place. I loved the history of it. Uh, it. Just made everything look so old in comparison to where we are. Where it's like, oh well, this building was built uh, fifty years ago, and that feels like a long time. And then you're walking down the streets in in Berlin or whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, this building was constructed in the uh, in the early one thousands. And it's like, okay, wow, that's uh, that's uh, a little bit different than what I am used to. Um, and so it was we we came out of that experience. Uh, I just uh, I think God was just kind of planting a little bit of a seed there that neither of us really recognized that he was going to do anything with at that point. Um, we we came back to school. Uh, we find out in the October of that year that um, our university was going to be shutting down. Um, they had run out of money, and um, they so we either had to transfer or try to like pack everything we had left into the next like nine months to graduate. Um, and we decided to be the the crazy nine month people. Um, and so we just jam packed our schedules full of credits and classes and basically only ever saw each other to do homework or, or things like that. And, um, in the meantime of all of that somehow managed to get engaged. Um, and we got to February of that year and, um, every February, March, uh, our school would put on a missions conference, which, um, since we were a Christian college, uh, it was an opportunity for just everybody to hear about like, this is how God is moving around the world. This is how you can partner with him in that process and uh, opportunities for you to uh, engage with local ministry and things like that. But we also had a significant um, 
missionary like training program uh, that was in the school. Like you could, that was one of the majors you could get. And so it was an opportunity for them to, those people to come in and kind of have sort of a job fair as all of these different organizations would come through and share about uh, what they're doing and they'd try to network and find a fit. And, um, but the, the great thing about it was that during that week, there was no homework. Uh, all you had to do was uh, attend your required number of sessions um, uh, and you didn't have any classes or anything like that. And so we were just kind of looking forward to a little bit of a break after uh, a lot of homework up to that point. Um, and uh, didn't really expect to get much out of the conference other than just to to be encouraged and to, to learn a little bit more. Um, but God met us there in a really surprising way. So um, we, uh, every morning they would have like a, a prayer session before um, the, the conference would get started. And Rachel and I decided we would go to all of those prayer sessions because uh, while they were early in the morning, they were shorter, which meant that we could get out of there sooner. Um, <laughs> really holy motivations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were we were just looking to survive at that point. Um, and it was we, we went to the first prayer session that morning and um, we're praying with a group of friends for Spain. Uh, there was a missionary from Spain there who was just sharing all of these different prayer points about um at different things that are going on there in local government and the El Camino Trail and all of that. And um, we, uh, so we're, we're praying in our little small group and about halfway through in walks this uh, middle-aged British guy. He, he sits down with us, uh, doesn't introduce himself or anything. He just starts drawing a map of Spain and drawing like where their organization has like uh, seminaries or different things that are going on in different parts of Spain and like, okay, let's all pray for it. Um, and so we start to pray, uh, say amen, get to the end of it. And we look up and he's left um, and never introduced himself or anything like that. And we're just like, okay, well, that was, that was kind of weird. Um, and so we, we go down to the main conference and we find out that the, uh, that the person who was just praying with us was actually the keynote speaker for the entire event. Um, and uh, his name was John Burns and he was the, the president of Greater Europe Mission. Started to talk about in that first conference how uh, there was just, uh, there was a very real gospel need in Europe about how quickly the culture had turned from uh, majority Christian to post-Christian um, and, and atheism and, and all of those sort of things. And, um, we, I mean, we had loved Europe while we were there, uh, but we didn't necessarily see it as like a, a gospel as an area deeply in need of the gospel. I mean, we, we knew that a lot of the churches were empty and stuff like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that really struck us as like a, a place with a high, high need for that. Yeah. As he was talking, um, he talked about how anytime he goes to a visit a school or speak anywhere, he always um, prays and asks God um, how many people out of the group that he's speaking to that he might be calling um, to go internationally um, to share about him. And um, at the time, there were only 60 undergraduate students left at Grace, um, but he felt that God was telling him that there were 10 of us. And um, in that moment, both John and I individually, without acknowledging it to each other, um, just felt God tell us, like, that's you. You're yeah. supposed to go. 
And (laughs) um, yeah, which I think for me was really terrifying um, because I was still in the middle of figuring things out, still felt very inadequate, very much like I I wasn't doing the enough right things to just have a relationship with God, much less go tell other people about it intentionally for my life. Right. This, this was something that it wasn't like you were dreaming about doing this since you, whenever this completely caught you by surprise, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt like this was the furthest thing from what I had ever imagined. Um, in fact, I was eating lunch with a friend a week earlier in the cafeteria at school and he uh, just said, so Rachel, have you ever considered international missions? And I literally laughed in his face. I, I um, have had to since apologize to him because he had an idea of something that was happening long before I did. Um, and I guess I want to clarify, like, I knew that as a follower of Jesus, we're to live on mission wherever we are. Like, that was a given. But that was my expectation that I would be living my normal life sharing Jesus as it naturally happened in my own context, not going somewhere else. Um, so you weren't the super Christian that God needed in order to be able to. And I mean, I was in that same place. I, well, I was in a little bit of a different place. I was very excited. Um, I tend to probably be the more adventurous of the two of us. And so I was like, Oh, this, this would be amazing. Um, but it definitely wasn't something that was on my radar. (laughs) Um, and, Rachel and I had just gotten engaged. And so like a month prior, like, yeah, I, it was, it was pretty fresh. And now I was like, okay, well, you just agreed to marry me. Now let me ask you if you will move internationally with me uh, <laughs> to go do something that we've never talked about doing before. Yeah. Um, and so we were both, you know, when neither of us said anything to, to each other about it, even though we had just kind of had this moment, and it wasn't like a oh man the 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 clouds parted and uh, the the spirit descended like a dove on us or anything <laughs> like that. It was just kind of this internal sense of like knowing in that moment that um, I I keep describing as kind of just a Holy Spirit tap on the shoulder um, that like that's supposed to be you, um, followed by followed by excitement for me and and dread for Rachel. Um, and, uh, so we, we didn't say anything to each other for a day. Yeah. Um, and then the next day we were sitting in another prayer session together, still trying to check off those boxes, uh, for our required sessions. And, um, I turned to Rachel and the way that my family always handled any like uncomfortable conversation or anything is that you just, uh, if you have to bring it up, you try to at least make the other person laugh in the process um, to help to ease some of the tension. And so I kind of turned to her and was like, well, maybe we should consider international missions. And uh, much to my surprise, Rachel turned around and was like, well, how serious are you? And in that moment, I could like tell that like she's been thinking about this, too. Um, and that's where we we realized, oh, wait, we both kind of had this moment at the same time uh, during that during that session um 24 hours prior and so we we get to talking to each other and we're like okay well um if this is something that we're genuinely supposed to consider uh where would where would god be sending us um and so we uh we were like well we think that we are 
backgrounds and and the skills that we had uh, would probably be best equipped to go and serve in a place like Europe where uh, we've been before. And uh, we're like, okay, well, where would we want to go in Europe? And we we both agreed that we would go to anywhere in Europe uh, that wasn't Berlin, Germany. Um, it was that that been the last place we went as a part of that choir tour. Uh, we were just all exhausted and just ready to be home at that point. And so we walked away with kind of a, a not so favorable impression of the of the city as a whole. Um, so we're like, OK, well, we feel like we've left lots of good options open for God and he can pick any of these doors that we have pre-selected, pre-approved for him. Um, and uh, well, I guess we need to go talk to somebody about this. So let's go talk to John Burns about this because we've kind of met him the other day and he seems to know something about missions in Europe. Um, so we, um, after the next main session, walked up to him and just said, hi, I think we're part of those people that you talked about who are supposed to go. Didn't introduce ourselves or give any further information. And um, he said, oh, well, that makes a lot more sense because I don't know if you remember, but we prayed together a couple days ago. I just like popped in and out of your group. And while we were praying, he's like, and I'm not the Holy Spirit, so pray about this. But while we were praying, I just felt that the Lord had something for the two of you in Berlin. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Probably no more than, I mean, hour and a half, maybe. hour and a half. Yeah. We went down and we sat through his main session. And then afterwards we came up and talked to him. Um, but we, the one place we had literally just said, like, we will not go. And then immediately to be told, like, that's where you're supposed to go. Um, and then after that, he was like, so are you together? What, what are your names? What are you studying? Um, so he literally knew nothing about us. So he was very happy to hear that we were engaged. Um, he's like, well, that makes it less complicated. Um, and then our backgrounds are in musical theater and psychology. And he said, those areas of interest and study are perfect for the ways that people in that city are being reached and like ways they connect with. And we were just like, whoa, like, this is, this is really really far beyond us. Like we just had this moment the day before, but then it was like to have it confirmed um, so quickly was um, really powerful. And I think really reassuring, especially for me um, being in more of a place of struggling with that calling. Um, and so then we were like, well, I guess we should go talk to the intercultural studies professor because he knows something about all of this too. So we walk into his office February of the year that the school is going to close. And um, we said, hey, Dr. Schmidt, do you think we could um, change, majors change majors? And you could put us through the program in six months. <laughs> or in, I guess at that point, it would have been four months, three or four months. And yeah. uh, we, we all had a good laugh about that. But he was like, well, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, because uh, about six months ago, I, I don't know what it was. Or he said that, I don't know. I just, I really felt like God was prompting me to start praying that the two of you would consider international missions. Mm -hmm. um, Whoa. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, really just over the span of about 24 hours, like God confirmed and confirmed and confirmed again that like, this is what you are supposed to do. And it all came through just totally on in unexpected ways and God just speaking to, to us, to other people that we knew and to other people that we didn't know. 
and confirming the fact that like we were supposed to go, we were supposed to go to Berlin. Um, and that was that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's our calling story. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how we ended up where, where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible. I, I want to take a step back real quick because John kind of mentioned what it was like uh, for him to to receive that calling from the Holy Spirit. Rachel, was your was your experience pretty similar to John's and and how you felt with the prompting? Yeah, I um I think I would also describe it as just like a knowing, and a knowing that I just couldn't shake, and haven't been able to shake for the last three years. No matter how many times I've kind of tried to reason my way out of it or bargain my way out of it. Yeah. We we can both struggle a lot with second guessing ourselves. Um, And this, I think one of the things that's just helped to be a consistent confirmation of it for us is that it's just kind of been a bedrock thing that like we've questioned a lot of things, but at the, at the end of the day, we still know that we are supposed to go to Berlin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love too the fact that when you is his, it was John Burns right that's his name yeah when when you spoke to to John he 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 was like well I after you re- revealed that you guys were engaged he's like well that makes it a lot easier as if to say like well I, these are the two that I feel like I've been prompted with but it that that would be kind of uh, challenging to do if these people don't even know each other so I thought that that was really really cool and then of course I I just want to say it is so like God I think to uh, have a calling for you guys in a place that you said that that is the exact place I will not go. I feel like that is exactly what he would do because it just, it makes me think about like the, a lot of times like in the Bible and, and just in other people's testimonies, I think that I've heard in my own experiences, it's almost, it's like the last possible place that we think that we can do something on our own physically or, or through our own means uh, where God really shows up and he's like, you know what, that, that's exactly why you need me. And so it's the perfect opportunity for God to show out in these, in these instances where we think that we can't do something or it's very uncomfortable for us to do something. Um, so it, I think that that right there just is, is as incredible as the rest of the story, because it's like, of, of course, that's what God would, would ask you to do. Um, it's just very, very much like him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, w- I wanted to ask as well. Um, uh, what were, when, when you said you went to Berlin and, and kind of felt the spiritual emptiness of that, what can you kind of describe what that was like? Yeah, so we've we've been to Berlin twice now. Uh, we had that first trip there, which, which was, was a lot more touristy. Yeah, it was by go nature. See, yeah, go see the Berlin Wall, go see Checkpoint Charlie, um, uh, things like that. Um, and it wasn't until that uh, that second trip that we uh, we so God confirmed that, and then it was a it was a long road to get there. We thought that like, okay, well we're, we're going to graduate in a few months and we'll just start right ahead with this process of, um, getting to, uh, getting to Germany. And, um, we found out though, as we tried to start the application process that you needed to either be very married or very single, there was no in between. So us being engaged wasn't helpful and we weren't going to be getting married for another almost year from the point that we heard the initial calling. Yeah. And so that kind of complicated and delayed things a little bit. So the second time we went back was actually, um, I guess, about 10 months into our marriage. It was October of 2019. Yeah. And we just we went back because, I mean, it it had been a while. We had been through a lot up to that point um, 
between between graduating, me starting a master's program, uh, Rachel and um, just some relational difficulties, okay. just like a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so we're like, OK, we thought this was going to look this way where we were going to start this process right away. But now we're we're almost two years out. Uh, is this still what God has for us? Um, which I mean, I, I still felt pretty certain um, uh, that like. I think this is what we're supposed to do, but I think it would be wise of us to go one way or another to go see again. And I was struggling to feel like this was still what God had, even though I still couldn't shake it. I just, I'd kind of talked to myself out of it a little bit. And so we decided to go back on a, we call it our unofficial vision trip because we weren't um, formally linked with any agency um, most people thought we were going on our honeymoon because we hadn't gone anywhere. So it was like kind this, of testing the waters. Right. Sort of thing. But um, when we went back the second time, we determined that we're going to see the city and experience it as the people who live there um, as much as we could. So intentionally not really doing touristy things. Um, we looked for opportunities to like shop in the grocery stores, walk in the neighborhoods, meet and interact with like the real people who were there. And I, I think that that also helped us to get a very realistic idea of mm-hmm. um, what it could actually be like. Um, and in the middle of that, God just really confirmed like, yes, this is supposed, this is where you're supposed to be. And there is immense need here. Um, just a very significant lack of hope. Yeah. Um, people looking for meaning in a lot of different ways. Um, but not really finding fulfillment and just being able to look back on the history of Germany as a whole, they've had a very complicated relationship with the church. Uh, one that's been very toxic and manipulative and very intertwined with their government at times. And then the either the government using the church towards their own means or the, the church using the government and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so it's uh, it, it enabled us to see especially for me, it was like, how could the birthplace of the Reformation, the place that so many missionaries came out of, be so spiritually desolate? And it, looking back at their history and then World War One and World War Two, and just all of the atrocities and um, even the, the guilt that is carried generations later, it's like, oh, they've been through a lot. So if I thought that God was super manipulative or super judgmental and I had done way too much stuff or my country had done so much stuff that he couldn't possibly love me if he exists, then I can understand where most people have gotten to this place where they just, they don't even consider faith period. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, one of the workers that we met there said it's so post-Christian it's pre-Christian, which in some ways gives an advantage because you don't have to, undo like complicated thoughts about Christianity because people are like, wait, you have faith in something? Like, will you tell me about that? And so, um, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, go ahead, John. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, I, and I mean, you're, you're walking down the streets and, um, you just there's lots of signs of like drug use, like just hypodermic needles laying down the alleyways, and um, uh, lots of like uh, it just it's just very clear from uh, 
a lot of what's there that it's a place filled with people that are hurting and mm -hmm. that are looking for a way to be able to cover up that hurt. And the scars of the past are so evident. I mean, you're walking down past buildings that have uh, have bullet holes in signs, and um, you can see parts of, of places that have, like, they've been rebuilt since uh, Berlin was bombed out and, and things like that, but they uh, there's still uh, scorch marks on walls and, and things like that. It's like, oh, man, this is a place that has experienced some really serious turmoil um and um i think that was one of the big things where it was like okay there's there's something there's something more spiritually dark here than what we're used to experiencing just where we're from yeah one um one of the instances where i felt it the most was um so prostitution is legal in germany um and we had the opportunity to walk with some of the gem workers there on the ground um, in the neighborhoods surrounding some of the biggest brothels. And just the heaviness um, and the, the hopelessness that you could feel just being blocks away from these huge buildings um, and, and having the opportunity to hear some of the stories of the pain of the people who are who are working there and feel they have no other option. Um, that was, I would say, probably the heaviest moment that I experienced um, when we were there that second time. Yeah. Just sure. like palpable, like you could feel it in the air. It was just like, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times when you, you find that there is that palpable spiritual feeling in the air that kind of coexists with uh, some of the, some of the difficulties that you're seeing in the physical, um, I think that they really, really overlap. I, I want to uh, also highlight uh, for a second, what, what is it, um, do you, are you aware of what it is that you're going to be doing once you get over there? Yeah, um, well, for the most part, <laughs> we, uh, the whole process takes a long time. So we started the application process in um, February of, was that last 29? Year. That was just this last year? Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I guess it was, 2020. And um, a Right now, our target date is to to head out in January. So it's it's been a full uh, almost two years, I guess, of of going through this. And so you kind of have to hold with an open hand, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, uh, because things change over the amount of time that it takes to get you over there. Um, but we have we have general ideas as to what uh, what exactly it's going to look like. So we'll. Yeah. Are you talk? Uh, yeah. So I was going to say that um, we're going to be working with a group of other people on the ground who are working to reach the city of Berlin for Jesus. Um, and my work that we're foreseeing will be um, primarily amongst the unreached people groups that have poured into Germany over the years through different events and um, through the refugee crisis. Um, so I'm being trained in something called orality, um, which is just Bible storytelling. So taking specific story sets from scripture and um, using them to walk people through, you know, the fall and um, God's um, 
restoration plan for humanity and then Jesus coming and like being the fulfillment of that. Um, and so because a lot of those unreached people groups or all of them actually are oral cultures who pass things down through verbal storytelling, um, this can be a really powerful way to to connect with people and to, to reach them. Um, and it also, with my theatrical background, I love stories um, and I love storytelling. And so in that way, it's a, it can be a really beautiful um, fit. So that's what I'm hoping to be able to use. Um, yeah, so cool. Yeah, and then my background is in uh, mental health. Um, so uh, I am currently working as a, as a counselor, um, uh, but I over there, um, uh, there, there still is a lot of mental health need. I mean, wherever there's hopelessness, um, uh, there's depression, there's anxiety. Um, and then especially among these refugee communities that we'd potentially be working among in these unreached people groups, uh, there's a lot of trauma history, um, a lot of them coming out of different war-torn areas and um, seeking to, to find a better life in, in Germany. And a lot of those people are, are very responsive to the gospel, um, but then struggle to have the mental, emotional resources to then be able to like grow in their faith uh, after coming to know who Christ is. Um, and so my my potential position would be helping to, to walk alongside some of those people, helping them to... Uh, work through some of that trauma, see, see how Jesus is, is there and with them in that and how they can use their own struggles there to, to help to reach other people in their community then. So cool. And what I, what I love about your story is that, you know, uh, it's, it's not always these, these crazy like exorcisms or, you know, like uh, these encounters with, uh, you know, spirit guides and, and those types of things. These are overt brushes with the paranormal um, that kind of bring us close to God. Sometimes it's, it's that's that inner knowing or that still small voice um, is the way that he speaks to us. And, and not only that, in, in your guys' story, also through relationships with other people where he was able to, to show himself uh, in a more clearer perspective to you guys. And, and so that's the first thing I want to highlight, but I also love the fact that this experience that you've had and all these, um, all these confirmations that you've had, have led to something that is very tangible very quickly in terms of the, the way that you're going to ha have an impact on the world through uh, using his his word and, and his truth. And that's what I, I you know, I, I like to focus on the on the on the supernatural part of it, because I think just like in the New Testament, I think that, that can kind of light off a flare gun, so to speak, as as to what God is doing and, and who he is and that he exists. But I also think it's it's actually more important to show where this where this flare gun is leading which is the truth that as is found in the word of god and, and the impact that that then has on people's lives and their relationships and the fulfillment that comes from that so i i think that sometimes that, that can get lost is that we focus so much on the on the supernatural part of it but there's a really more there's a more important part of it as well at, 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 the, at the tail end of it that's going to have a lasting impact for, for years to come so that's what i i really appreciate about your guys' story thank you alex yeah. Um, so before before uh, we get going, I wanted to just ask you a couple of other general questions um, that I don't always have the pr privilege of asking people because a lot of, like I said at the at the top of this program, that most people that we have on are people that have not been Christians for a very long time. So I'd love to get your perspective on just a couple of different things. 
the first one kind of coming back to legalism, and this is a really, really challenging subject. So if you, if, if you don't have the answer, I don't think anybody has the, the right, the exact right answer and they haven't had it for hundreds of years, but I I'd be interested to right answer Alex. Everybody <laughs> else has it wrong. <laughs> All right. I, I, uh, I, I spoke too quickly. Um, I wanted to get your guys' take on the idea of legalism because in your stories and in many other people's stories that we have on the show, that that aspect of legalism really comes into play for for people early on in their walk with with God, and it's a lot of times you know in childhood, and it's that legalistic mindset that kind of gets uh, uh, bestowed on them that that leads people astray from Christianity because they don't want to be caught up in something that's just all about rule keeping rather than a relationship, and so I, I wonder if you guys have any ideas on how we can going forward. Uh, as people that that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how we can help people, uh, and maybe parents who who uh, have children that they're trying to then lead as well into this relationship with God. How can we avoid this legalistic mindset that seems to come over so many different people? Um, I think at the core of it, uh, ultimately what it comes down to is humility. Um, people that I see who have uh, who have done raising Christian children well um, and in in my own families like in their in their best moments the the things that have distinguished them from uh, from others is their willingness to to admit their own mistakes um, parents owning up and apologizing to their children when they when they've done something that they shouldn't have done um, rather than looking just to uh, to uh, justify themselves uh, I I think that's a huge thing um, and then a, a willingness that like in in discipline because obviously there's there's a place for that um, that what's being reasserted first and foremost is the the parents love for the child um, that uh, I I I am doing this because I care about you, and as best as you can, taking the time to help them to understand, like, okay, this is this is why I have to respond this way. Um, it's it's not because I'm mean or spiteful. It's uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I think that goes a long ways. Um, what are the thoughts you have? Yeah, um, I think I would second what John said. Um, I don't think adults are doing kids any favors when they pretend to be, you know, just give this facade of protection, perfection and having it all together and having all the answers. Um, and of course there are appropriate levels of, of letting kids in on struggles that you're having and um, things like that. Um, but just this idea that like mom and dad are relying on Jesus too, because we're not trying to work for our our salvation or our standing with him and um having it just be more relational i think um and helping kids to experience the tangible love of jesus and not just downloading all of the right information into their brains um because i think that can feel easier than vulnerability and apologizing and trying to bring your kids in on like being able to see you relying on God. Yeah. And I, I think 
no matter what you do it, as a as a parent, it, they're ultimately their your child is going to screw up in one way or another. Um, I I know I did plenty of times, and I, I think we all do. And even if you are the the perfect parent, which nobody nobody is, um, then being being willing to to have that grace with them, meeting them where they're at in those moments, and um, just continuing to to show the love of Jesus and being that person where the the arms are still open wide uh, will will take you in no matter what um, and will will help you to to walk through this uh, whatever that may look like so it really does all kind of come back to that relationship component doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure well, I think that that was really well said, and I think that that I think that that is the the answer. Actually, I think that you guys did figure it out because I I, I can't think of anything else that would be a better fit than than what you guys said and coming back to that relational aspect and what Jesus wants us to have in terms of that and 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 mirroring that relationship that He has with us with our children and 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 then hopefully as parents then with with Jesus as well and 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 just keeping those relationships healthy and 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 full of love as 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 is outlined in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I, I also, my last question for you um, really kind of comes back to everything, uh, many of the other guests that we have on this program, and uh, just this idea of the paranormal and the supernatural, and you guys are pretty, uh, you know, pretty familiar with my story at this point, and I want to know, as as people that don't necessarily come from this aspect of, of, of uh, spirituality in terms of having these experiences with, uh, uh, you know, demons and, and so forth, had you guys, as, as people being Christians for as long as you have, had you had much exposure to these types of stories? And, and, and if so, what was your uh, understanding of them? Yeah, we haven't ever really talked about this. Um, I had a, a few times and moments. I mean, in terms of like moments in which it was like, okay, God was there in an incredibly tangible way. Um, uh, there, there are a couple of moments that come to mind. Um, I, uh, can think of one point in time where I was dealing a lot with my addiction and, um, and just really in the, in the dredges of it. And, um, I remember just this kind of crystal clear moment of like God speaking to me. And it wasn't necessarily like an audible voice or anything like that, but it was like, the only way I can describe it is that there was a, a thought came into my head that was not my own thought, um, but was, was just exceptionally clear. And um, it just said, uh, and I, I keep it written down in the, the front page of the any any Bible that I have now. Just says that um, if I could forgive Solomon and uh, all of his struggles with the the thousands of wives and concubines and the um, and his idolatry and all of those things, then I I can forgive you too. Um, and that was a moment in which it was like, oh wow, um, the the gospel really came to life to me there. Um, I, I also had a, a moment of answered prayer where uh, in towards the tail end of, of high school, when I had just kind of rededicated my life to Christ, um, I was getting ready to leave for college and I wanted to be able to spend some more time with my grandparents. But I was I was working so much that I uh, wasn't going to uh, to really be able to get over there as much as I was hoping to be able to. 
And um, <laughs> I just been praying that, you know, God, would you, would you provide an opportunity for something like this to happen? And uh, for, for me to be able to find the time and the space to do that. And I think it was later that day, um, a thunderstorm rolled through. I was working at a pool uh, and the, the lightning struck our pool house um, uh, and fried the motor in the pool pump. And we had to close down for two weeks. Um, oh. And it was just, it was one of those moments that kind of like Rachel described earlier in which you just felt very seen. I mean, it was a, it was a very dramatic sort of situation, but it was also like, like God heard me and he directed a lightning bolt on my, on my behalf because of my prayer. And um, so I, I all of a sudden had all of this time that I was able to go and, and to spend with them. And so, um, and there were just little experiences like that, that really reaffirmed that relationship with God, that, that God's a person that I, I have this relationship that he can hear me and he, he does interact and, and respond. Um, I probably came from a little bit more of a, a faith background in which those things were looked on as like very, uh, very skeptically like, oh, you, you really can't trust it. Um, nobody around me was really like claiming like, Oh, well I've, I've had the, this dream or this vision or anything like that. But um, I think as I've grown in my faith and I've, I've come to know more people who are, are coming from a Christian background, I think really what God does is God is exceptionally good at meeting us where we're at, um, where, whatever that may mean culturally or, or wherever we're at personally um, in a way that we're going to be able to respond to. Um and so I, uh, I have seen how God has continued to make himself known in, in so many different people's lives. And some of those have been through those more dramatic, supernatural sort of, sort of ways. Um, yeah. I don't know if that really answered the question or not, did it? It, it did. It did. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that you had those experiences. And I, I just wanted to say that I, I appreciate you highlighting them because I think a lot of times we're very quick to write those types of things off as coincidences. And I think that God uh, doesn't want us to, to do that. I think that there's a sense of wonder that we can find in those co in those quote coincidences that I think keep our relationship with God uh, fresh and engaging. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of times that sense of wonder is lost, I think, when we come back to that legalistic way of thinking, the rule keeping. And I think so much of Christianity is about the wonder. And and it even says in Psalms um, somewhere that when you truly have a when you're truly following God and you have a relationship with God, that your life will be adventurous. And I think that that is really lost, unfortunately, for a lot of people that are looking at Christianity on the outside looking in or people that are, you know, that are Christians that maybe are uh, looking at looking at that relationship a little bit more from that rule keeping perspective. So I, I really appreciate that, uh, that you shared that. Um, I, I have I have another question uh, for you as well for both of you, but I wanted to hear what uh, Rachel had to say first. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more on the, the darker side of things. When I was in high school, my family decided we were going to move. They'd always wanted to move to the country. So we bought this house um, and we're getting ready to move into it, still trying to sell the house we were in. Um, but just my mom started noticing weird things about the house that she'd never noticed before they'd moved in and they'd walked through it several times. Um, there were locks on the outside of the kids' bedroom doors. We started finding like 
dead animals in the yard that it was, it was just like some really weird stuff. And my mom just had this sense of heaviness and was like sick for a few months following that. And while I wasn't super in tune with exactly what was going on or even working through it at the time, um, it was definitely just, it was like, if there's just this feeling that like really bad things have happened here mm. and I don't know if we're supposed to move, but we just bought this house. Um, and, um, I don't even know if I've fully worked through that at this point. Um, but I think in some ways that it was that God even allowed my, my mom particularly to be able to like sense that and just be like, no, like we're not supposed to do this. Um, but it, it was just, it was kind of a weird time. And like I said, something I don't think I've totally processed through, but I think because of that experience, it helped me not to completely rule out or write off supernatural things, even though I hadn't really experienced anything to that point, And there wasn't anyone who had really talked to me about anything like that or anyone I knew who had experienced anything like that. Um, but it was like, okay, this is, this is real. Um, and then, uh, the other thing that came to mind is that, um, my dad struggled with Crohn's disease for about 15 years, like pretty badly, um, was in and out of the hospital, having surgeries on top of surgeries all the time. Um, the doctors were at the end of their rope. They tried everything they knew how to try. And it was basically like, we got to this point where it's like, okay, we've done everything we can. We're really going to try to keep you alive, but we don't know what else to try because nothing is working. Um, and we had a woman from, um, another country who came into our lives, um, through church, she needed a ride to church. Um, and through this relationship with her, we were introduced, um, to, um, a doctor who is doing some more, um, like holistic medicine, more like looking at, you know, what you're eating and, and how that can play into things, but just this really roundabout way of us getting to this place where, um, now my dad's been in remission for like over 10 years with Crohn's, wow. which is unheard of. And so while there was a, a physical practical component to that, I think it's all, it, it is a miracle. Um, because like this woman came from another country for a totally different purpose, ends up needing a ride to church. And that's how we get connected to some resources that have helped my dad to be able to be healthy. Um, when the doctors had basically said, we're really sorry, but this, we don't know what else to do for you. Um, and so, you know, people ask you, do, do miraculous things still happen? And yes, I think, I think that they do. I don't think that they always happen just because we ask for them or expect them. But like that, that is something that I've experienced and seen um, in my own family. So mm. really cool. I also didn't know that. Um, and again, I just think it's very similar to John's uh, experiences that there are God, 
like John said, he meets us where we're at. And I think he, he gives us the exact right thing at the exact right time. Unfortunately, his timing a lot of times takes a lot longer than what, than what we would like, but that is so cool uh, as it relates to your father. And um, I just think that he's, he's, uh, he's always, he, he, he will always kind of let us, I think, get our back up against the wall as well, as much as, as, as much as possible to, to really help us grow as well. And, uh, before then, uh, coming in and, and rescuing us, it, it reminds me and and acts as well. Like Peter, he was, I think he had been captured for a long period of time. And it was, it was, he was like it chained up between two different like Roman soldiers. And it was almost like he was about ready to be executed. And it was, it was at that exact point where God then, uh, Re- release the chains and, and Peter was freed. So I think a lot of times think, you know, again, just things take a little bit longer than what we like, but God does show out, I think in, in ways that we can comprehend at the exact right time. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you. Um, so I guess as it relates to, to like some of these experiences, I think unfortunately, unfortunately, like uh, when you start getting into some of the more in-depth experiences, like the, uh, the ghost encounters or the demonic encounters or the, or the near death experiences. I, I, I think that a lot of these are, are ignored, I think by the church at large. And un- unfortunately coming back to that wonder, I think that many Christians are, are, are looking, uh, are starving for a relationship, I think with Jesus and, um, they're, they're maybe, their relationship with Jesus isn't what it should be. And so they start looking after, after these experiences or out for these ex- experiences and the sense of wonder that they can get in the supernatural and the paranormal. And I think as a, as a result of that, unfortunately, there is a lot of deception that is going on right now. Uh, people are being led astray into these other spiritualities in, in a way that I think is really scary. And I think I see the church as a whole kind of ignoring that um, because many churches uh, refuse to to focus on some of these different supernatural or paranormal phenomena. And so I'm wondering, um, my final question, uh, for you guys is, do you have any idea or any inclination how we can kind of bridge the gap between some of the more traditional, uh, church, uh, experiences and, and some of these really outlier or paranormal or supernatural experiences so we can maybe help our, our, uh, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and help them not be led astray by these by these paranormal experiences. You have any thoughts on that? Um, I think, I think dialogues like this are, are definitely helpful. Um, I think, um, there are a couple of different thoughts that are rolling around. So, uh, we living in kind of a, a, a very Western culture um, where uh, things are are tend to be very cerebral. It's all about what you think, what you can reason and and those sort of things that um, I, I think people are kind of getting tired of that a little bit. Um, and I think that's partially kind of where this comes out of. But um, really, over the past several decades, we've seen uh, the Christianity shift in uh, what the average believer looks like. Um, if you want to picture your your demographically uh, like average Christian, um, I, fifty years ago it was your your uh, your white male living in the middle of uh, rural United States. But uh, now anymore, if you want to picture your average Christian, what you should be picturing is a uh, an elderly Brazilian woman uh, who's living on less than 22 cents a day. Um, 
in in extreme poverty um, because Christianity is moving much more into these more uh, like southern and and eastern parts of the world. And I think as that happens, that we're going to see a lot more of this kind of supernatural uh, approach to Christianity because uh, that's a that's a big part of those cultures. Um, so I think that's that's uh, a little. I, I think there's hope because I, I think things are going to change as we see kind of this demographic shift in where uh, Christianity is prevalent. Um, there was one other thought that I had. Do you have anything else to add while I try to? Um, yeah. So I think that, yeah, in our very intellectually motivated culture, it's a lot harder to really take the Bible seriously when it comes to like things like spiritual warfare and how much um, Jesus is like casting out demons. And, uh, you know, you see the supernatural popping up all over scripture. And I think that it's making sure that our churches are teaching through the whole word of God and not skipping over those parts because they feel complicated. And, um, taking the time to really land there and to hear people out who are like, I have had an experience like this and then being able to walk alongside them through that. Um, and also recognizing that when we dismiss the supernatural, we're also diminishing our view of God because just as much there as there are demons and ghosts and all of these dark spiritual forces or whatever you would want to call them. Um, God himself is supernatural and all powerful and works in miraculous ways and ways that we cannot explain or even comprehend. And so if we're just dismissing this whole realm, we're actually dismissing him. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. This is yeah. the first time I've really ever thought about this. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, we're. I really appreciate your answer. Yeah, yeah, we live in a spiritual. We're we live in a spiritual world just as much as we live in a physical world, and there's a lot of overlap there that I don't think that we we consider a lot of the time, um, and that's I I think maybe something that we as a, a church could could spend more time thinking about. Um, yeah, because there's. Uh, if we deny that, then we were missing out of a big part of who God is and who, who Jesus was or continued is. Um, mm -hmm. Part of a, a little bit of what uh, I think really kind of made us excited about this opportunity to go over to Germany and to work with some of these unreached people groups is the fact that um, for a lot of them, the way that God is, is using to reach out to them for the first time is through dreams, um, uh, particularly among Muslim refugees. Uh, they're, they're seeing a man in white in their dreams. And the man in white is either telling them to, to go and find like a specific person um, who, who just so happens to be a believer or to, to find a copy of the blue book, uh, which in, in Muslim countries, the, uh, the Bible is, is typically printed on, on, in a blue book. And so they, they need to go find the blue book, um, that the man in white told them about. Um, wow. and so that's just, I think that's a really powerful, powerful testimony. It's like, okay, well, God's spirit is moving here. And if, if we have the opportunity to go and be, uh, in the middle of that, 
there's no place we'd rather be. Wow. So, so beautifully said. And, uh, I, I just think I also agree with, with what Rachel said, which is that, um, just, I think church is taking the time maybe to listen to people that are having these, these experiences. And I, and I think that what you'll find is that, uh, if you're, if, if you're, as you say, you know, as a, as someone who's a man of God and well-versed in, with the Bible and, and understands it, I think you'll find that you can look at the fruit of these experiences. Are they leading that person further away from God? Or are they leaving, leading them closer to God as, as is found in the word of God? And I think that's the barometer that, I, that we really need to measure these experiences up against. Um, so that way we're not just accepting things blindly, uh, but at the same time, we're still taking into consideration, like you said, Rachel, that God is spirit and there's still, uh, you know, the spiritual warfare going around us at all times, really everything in the physical world is 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 a product of of something that happens first in, in, in the spiritual like in our in our minds um so i i i really appreciate what you guys said and i think it's so cool too that, that we're starting to get some of these uh some of these like supernatural encounters that you might expect in something like in the book of acts and some of these countries where that where christianity is starting to flourish for the first time mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's so special to see and uh it's really exciting to see as well um mm-hmm. And I love the fact that your guys, again, your, your story is, is a perfect example of this, where your uh, encounter with God, your, your supernatural encounter with God has led to that fruit um, that, we, that we talk about. Well, uh, I, I pretty much uh, threw the book at you guys when it came to, <laughs> to questions today, and you guys answered them really, really well. I gave you some really hard questions, and I'm so thankful for your guys' time and, and the way that you were able to so gracefully uh, answer those questions today. Um, I, b- before we go, I would like to go ahead and put up a link for you guys here. Um, can one of you guys kind of walk us through what we'll see uh, for those of us that are watching this uh, at the link? Yeah, so that's just our uh, the website that just explains a little bit more about what Rachel and I are hoping to be able to do over in Europe. Uh, and it also provides an opportunity for uh, if anybody's interested to sign up for our prayer newsletter uh, so they can be praying for us Uh It'll also be a place where we share stories about what God's doing in Germany and in our lives. And um, and then also an opportunity for uh, we're, we're in the process of looking for people to uh, partner with us uh, both in prayer and then also financially. And so uh, if you if somebody feels so moved to uh, to do something like that, then there are instructions on how to do that uh, at that link as well. Yeah. Or if you want to hear more, have questions. Um, yeah. It gives you a place to contact us. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, I cannot thank you guys enough for taking the time today to share your insight and your stories with us. Um, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm very thankful to know you guys. I'm very thankful uh, that John and I just happened to have our, our paths crossed uh, <laughs> in, in graduate school. And, and then from there, uh, being able to join your guys as a small group from, from your church um, and, and just see the way that uh, you, you guys have really effectively led that and, and just the relationship that I've that I've had with you guys has been very, very impactful for me and very meaningful for me. So I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, and, and just, I'm just thankful for, for who you are. I'm really excited to see where you, where God leads you guys. Thank you, Alex. It's the gift to know you. So thank you for giving us the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Thank you. That's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to remind you that we have a Facebook group, the only place that you can find us outside of YouTube and the podcasting apps online just called Spirit Answers on Facebook, where you can get a sneak peek of next week's episode, um, interact with our guests, share your testimony there in text form, and see other uh, testimonies as well, usually uh, by way of uh, YouTube or, or things like that. Also, 
would like to ask, I know I usually ask for your testimony, your supernatural encounter, uh, your uh, near-death experience. This time, I'm going to also extend it to if you have any suggestions for me um, outside of yourself. For example, maybe you saw a testimony video on YouTube that really um, resonated with you, a New Age Jesus testimony, maybe some kind of a miracle healing um, and a near-death experience. Whatever the case may be, feel free to send your suggestions as well to uh, spiritanswerspodcast at gmail.com. I uh, would love to get those. Um, and of course, uh, your own as well. Just I don't know why I hadn't asked that uh, before, but I'm more than willing to take your suggestions for people uh, that you have enjoyed listening to, maybe outside this podcast as well. Maybe try to get them on here. Um, also want to remind you to submit your prayer requests to me either by email or you can uh, submit them at our Facebook group as well. Again, if you feel uh, led to donate, uh, the link is below. Thank you so much for everything you do to support us in this podcast. Thank you for sharing it with one person. Thank you for the time that you spend listening. And I uh, really, really appreciate everything that you do. I will be praying for you. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Bye.